Hello everybody, this is Twitchy Max and you're listening to season two of the family-friendly podcast Expired XP. This season we explore the world of gaming through insider interviews, new and retro game specials, and points of view on industry trends. If you like games, this podcast is for you. This week, we are talking to Jason Sussman, art director at Bungie Studios. Jason has 22 years in industry and spills the beans on how they made the classic Destiny. Welcome, everyone, to Expired XP. I am your one of your hosts, the useless Viking, Peter. And with me, as always, is Richie Twitchy Maxwell. Say hi to the people, Rich. Hello, everyone. And on this podcast, uh, we're extremely excited to introduce to you a guy that I was going to say needs no introduction, but then we're going to do an introduction. Um, Jason Sussman. How are you doing, Jason? I'm doing good. Doing really good. It's nice to be here. Tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, Jason Sussman. I'm currently an art director at Bungie Studios. Uh, I started in the game industry about 22 years ago as a tester, uh, working at a place called Terminal Reality. Tested a bunch of games there, then started working at like, games like Blair Witch, and ended up working on Blood Rain and 4x4 Evolution, a bunch of different games when I was there. We were, we were shipping a lot <laughs> during my my tenure there. Yeah, and then ended up coming out to Washington and started at Bungie uh, Halo 3 timeframe. And so started as a contractor, uh, contract artist. Gotten to, I was in environment art. And uh, yeah, I was in Varma at my previous studio and at Bungie, um, then moved into leadership and eventually art direction. So it's been a it's been a wild, fun ride the whole time. And then uh, I guess the side topics that we were talking about right before we jumped on. Yeah, I also have a uh, collection of swords because I love Lord <laughs> of the Rings and I have to own them all. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really funny, right? Because we've uh, the other guys that we've uh, talked to as well who uh, have been in New Zealand, I think a few of them did end up getting stuff. I think afterwards as well. Um, I'm pretty sure DJ has a few things like that. Oh, He's yeah. also got a DJ's got like a bit of a D&D cave and all of that kind of stuff going on. So I feel like we're all in good company when it comes to our love for all things fantasy and sci-fi. Um, so, Jason, you mentioned 22 years ago that you started in the industry, but I was really keen to hear about your first gaming experience as a kid like what was oh, what was your first introduction to gaming how did it make you feel and what did it kind of create for you in the sense of wanting to kind of get into the industry yeah well i'm old so my first <laughs> game my first gaming system was a sears pong system that had it was really cool because it had pong and a race car game on it and so uh, and i forgot the name of the game it's like a top down kind of thing um, and I used to, the memories I have of that, of just being bewildered that I can control something on the screen. That was just, that was like mind blowing to me. And, uh, also that's also when I learned, cause still to this day, it's a thing. My mom screams uncontrollably when she tries to play video games. Cause she's so <laughs> bad at it and she just screams like, she, like there, there's nothing really happening and she'll just be screaming. And so I, I remember that was the genesis of that moment that still is a thing, but still funny to give her a controller nowadays. So you're like, hey, try to drive this car or whatever. Um, it's always a blast. Uh, yeah, so that's that's my that was my memory. Then, it, you know, that transition to the the Atari and then it was like I need to own every game that I could. Um, and and then. uh yeah, I, like I, it was like gaming sessions at friend's house. I mean, that's that was the thing. Like everybody would come over and just sit inside all day and play video games. Yeah. Were your parents kind of like mine? They were like, well, at least he's not out in the streets creating violence and havoc or were they kind no, of, I mean, did they get it or? No, I think they got annoyed with that because I mean, I was all these kids would be coming over like, can you do it at their house? Like go, does someone, <laughs> else, does someone else have an Atari? You can go do that. at. And so I'd bring all my cartridges and go over there and, um, yeah, and then uh, that actually brought up a story. Yeah, so when Nintendo came out, sorry, I'm jumping ahead, but when I ended Definitely. up getting it, that was, so there was a period of my life, a pretty large period of my life where we didn't have any, any anything. So like we it, getting something like that was like unbelievable that we would own something like that. And I'll never forget, I, I, I really didn't think I'd be able to get a Nintendo. I was like, it's just not gonna happen. And you know, I, I want one so bad because man, it was so next gen. And uh, I we we got one for Christmas, and I thought I was gonna die. Like, and I was I was horribly <laughs> like I was playing. Every, I mean, oh my god, so many games. And my mom, I like, I'd play way into the night, or I'd sneak. You know, I'd wake up and still play because I uh, had the TV in our room and everything. And my mom ended up removing the cable. She's like, I'm getting rid of the cable, so you can't play this. You're not gonna play anymore. You you keep staying up late and you're playing the game. And I <laughs> got some. 
I, it was like a coat hanger and something else. Anyway, I made it work with the TV. I could, it was like staticky and I could see it because <laughs> she had removed like the, the video cable or whatever. And so I ended up making it work and then she, and then I got caught and that's still a story that she tells. She's like, of course you make video games. You, I couldn't get, separate you from them. And so, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. And, and so, and you had all the games and, so it did mean then you were you were the guy who all the mates came to to play because uh, because co-op was such a big thing when we were growing up right you were sitting and gaming together and just watching each other did you do yeah. that as well like others watching you play oh yeah absolutely and trade back and forth right it's like you try to try to get through a level you couldn't get go go you know just hand the controller down right um yeah we, we I, I did that a lot and then again once and then when I got the Nintendo I became kind of the the Zelda guy that knew all the secrets to Zelda. I saw that as soon as we got out, I was like, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I became kind of the, I mean, uh, so I wasn't that popular and uh, except for the, like some of the, you know, my close friends that had systems, but um, all of a sudden I started getting phone calls, you know, cause we had landline back then. And so I just get these phone calls. Anybody could, anybody could look you up in the, in the yellow pages. And so I would, um, or the white pages, but anyway, I would get calls and my mom's like, wow, you have all these friends, but it's just like these other kids at schools or other schools are like, hey, I hear that you know how to do this thing. Oh, wow. You so were like you were the Zelda like, guru. I was like before Nintendo Power or whatever. I was going to say you were like the Nintendo Power of your town yeah. slash city. Yeah. yeah that's so, excellent. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So that was Nintendo Entertainment System. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Before before uh, Super Famicom. Um, what were your go-to games then? Were you a big Zelda fan or were you Mario or just everything? It was Zelda. I mean, I loved Mario as well. I mean, I played it was Zelda, Mario, uh, Akari Warriors when that popped up on the scene. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Rygar, because I love the arcade. Because the, the thing is, I was always in the arcade, right? If I wasn't at home gaming, I, that's what I would do. I'd go to the mall and go to the arcade. And so, and you know. Uh, spend as much money as I possibly could. Did you have like the light gun for the Nintendo? No, I never got that. My friends had it, uh, so I go over there and hunt, do yeah. yeah, do duck hunt with that. Them. That, that yeah. blew my mind away. Like, and I because yeah. I was a I was kind of like a more of a PCist. I was kind of like Commodore sixty four mm -hmm. Amiga. That's kind of my journey. Yeah. Um, he, he was privileged, Jason. We talk about this a lot. He <laughs> yeah. had a very privileged upbringing. <laughs> yeah, Richard, I, I'm with you. I had a Commodore sixty four until about the year two thousand. You know. <laughs> that was well. That's the thing. I had uh, I had a friend of mine. Luckily, right around the corner from me was the, my buddy that had the Amiga and he had the Commodore, he had he, he just had all the good things right and uh, i used to go over there and mess with those systems as well like every chance i got i think that's probably where the next gen thing started having my eyes like i always want that but something's always better what's the you know better graphics i remember seeing what max bedroom as a screensaver which was amazing <laughs> and i'm really surprised that they haven't done that or like amazon hasn't made that the you know the alexa is actually max headroom but anyway that's a that's another story. Maybe that's something you could pitch to them at some stage. Yeah, and that's right. get, get in, get into that <laughs> that very successful Amazon gaming that's going on right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, he says slightly sarcastically. Um, um, I was just going to say uh, something that, uh, that that kind of obviously fascinates me. So how did this translate? Because when you're a kid, you're a kid, and it's and you're very, you know, you you're not into. I was going to say girls or boys, or you're not. That's not that you're not partying. Did you did you transition out of gaming through the high school period, or did you still continue on and have that group of friends and play video games and oh, no, all the it, way through? Yeah, it persisted like forever. Like it just, it's always been the thing. Like, I mean, it, well, it became like, I just had really close friends that we would just stay up. Like my, I had a, my friend, Bo, like we would, I would either be at his place or he'd go to my place and we would do the same thing where we would just pass. We did Metal Gear that way. We just passed the controller back and forth playing mm -hmm. the game. So yeah, that, that persisted. I mean, it's still going. I mean, I think the, the new game I'm playing right now is mid journey, but <laughs> that's what it feels like a game to me. But yeah, like the, uh, no, I, uh, yeah, I don't know if it'll ever stop. There's always something and, something fun to find out there. And kind of in in that journey, um, and obviously you you know you were playing on consoles. Were were you a PC gamer as well, or was it just mainly the consoles that you? Uh, so it was mainly consoles, and then when did I make the transition to PC game? I think PC gaming was right around the time of. Yes, it was. So I didn't have a PC. I went to a friend's house who taught me. I mean, this is how I even started to learn art. As this is before, this is uh, Autodesk Animator uh, before it became AutoCAD and then 3 Max and all that. And so um, I had a friend that was 
very technically savvy and had this really nice system. And I would go over to his house. He lived on my street. And he would taught me. He wouldn't actually wouldn't teach me anything. He's like, just figure it out. You have to get on the computer and figure it out, figure it out, figure it out. Because Wolfenstein had come out. And I was like, oh, my God. I want oh, to play wow. yeah. Yeah. And so that was the big game changer for me. And it's like, I have to get a PC. What do I do to get a PC? And so um, but for the longest time, I was always hanging out at his house and learning how we like I helped him. I co-sysstopped a BBS with him back in the day. And yeah. Does anybody know what that means anymore? It's so funny. No, we do, I, I do. I, know, I also co-sysstopped a, BB, a BBS. So it was like. But yeah, it was uh, the bulletin board systems of the of the days of yore. This is pre-internet yeah. kids. Yeah. 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 And, uh there's a whole story there too. I don't know how many, I can go off on rails. Go for it. Okay. Yeah. So like going to his house, like, so he was uh, a bit of a, a ha- it was in the hacker scene. And so that was the thing that was really interesting talking with him and, and information society. I don't know if you knew the band information society back in the day, there's really popular band and they were kind of comprised of a bunch of hackers. And so they would hide stuff on their music. That was like, it was modems booting up and it would give you like, you could, if you deciphered it, you'd get stuff out of it. Anyway, um and i we ended up meeting information society and he like gave him this disc with all this code on it and it was like there's some hacking i don't know but it was like such a weird experience uh it was just a weird time it was like a yeah. time uh very different than it is now it was it was mm. super wild west i think in in that way yeah. especially especially Re- the internet, really right? counterculture wasn't it really counterculture yeah, very, you know, very, it was like a yeah. secret society yeah, and that that was the thing. Like being being on a BBS was like you're like, ooh, I'm in this. Yeah, it's like it was a Secret totally club. different world. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's what we no, thought I, the dark web was, but it was completely <laughs> just gaming, and it was yeah. just like it wasn't. It wasn't. You know, the worst thing that ever turned up on it would be something like the terrorist handbook or something, and that was like the that yeah. was the extreme version of it. Yep. And everybody was like, whoa, that's like too much. Most yeah. of it was just like game hints. Actual games, yeah, so obviously, part yeah, of games. games. Game, yeah, game yeah. hints, tools, and stuff like that. And so, yeah. yeah, so I ended up learning a bunch through him, honestly. Like, it really kind of catapulted me into um, learning about developing games. And so then I, when I did get a PC, you know, um, getting Quake, we started in the Quake time frame, and then uh, I was using, I forgot what editor that was, and then I used an editor for Doom, because I was trying to edit maps because I always loved world building and games. And then when Half-Life came out, uh, they dropped the, it was, ha- or they didn't, they dropped the hammer. I mean, it was called hammer. I think it was called hammer, right? Anyway, so I used that editor and started building environments uh, just on my own, just making environments for Half-Life. And that's some of what I ended up presenting in my first gaming studio. It was like, hey, I already know how to build some of this stuff. And so, so how did that happen? Did you go to college and, and learn as well? Or was it so what was that journey into that first gaming? No. So like, man, there's so many I probably should <laughs> probably should have have thought this out more clearly because I because I so I from going to the, you know, getting my own PC, I took a detour, was in the military for four years because uh, I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing myself. And I, I need to, I wanted to go to college. And if I went to the military, then I could get uh, that free college because uh, yeah. the Hazelwood Act they had for Texas. And so I was like, all right, I'll go to the army. So I did army for four years, got out with the plan to go to college, but I got a really, really good job. It was a sales job. It had, it had nothing to do with games, but it funded all my electronics that I wanted <laughs> to get so I could learn and so I went to Fry's and bought a bunch of books, scoured the web, used a bunch of wares, did like, you know, whatever I could, met with other friends that, you know, could help bridge some gaps for me and my understanding and just started modeling. So I was modeling and using Macs and uh, making these mods. And uh, my wife's cousin uh, was a tester at, at Terminal Reality in Texas at the time. And he was like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to leave because I'm actually going to go to college um to study art which he, he ended up going to working at blizzard and anyway he's a concept artist and so like um he was like hey i'm gonna go ahead and take off but i know they need someone so if you want to get your foot in the door and it was a cons- you know it was a considerably different salary than what i was used to and i was like man I, you know i've talked asked my wife and i was like hey are you are you willing to let me do something crazy to see if i can finally make this happen if it doesn't happen then i'm you know I'll, it's done you know whatever and um Anyway, she was like, yeah, do it. Let's let's see see if we can make this work. And so I took the job as a tester, but I also presented my portfolio. And they were like, hey, this is substantial. Like we always hire internally first. So if we if we have a spot open up for a 3D artist, we will. And so I was doing testing there um, for 
about six months or eight months. And then a spot did open up and it was on a flight simulation game, Fly 2. And so I jumped on that and I was just building buildings and placing that. Or actually, no, but the first thing I was supposed to do is just place buildings in the environment, right? And the buildings were made by 3D artists. And they're like, you're just going to place buildings. Well, the engine was broke a whole bunch of the time. And so I, had, I was idle and I was like, I got to do something. So I just started making, I was modeling stuff. And one of the producers walked by and they're like, hey, wait, you can model? I was like, yeah. He's like, well, just model these buildings then. So then I started modeling buildings and then I was, and placing them. Um, and then that kind of grew into, I kind of, because I wanted to learn everything. So I did some VFX for uh, Blood Rain. I did some damage props for Blood Rain nice. um, and, and, and environmental stuff. And then moved into 4x4 Evo. And yeah, I just kind of like stairs up from there. And I just kept kind of adding things to my bag of tricks and learning. I mean, I did like UI. I did, I mean, it was back then when everybody kind of did everything. And so it was like, hey, can anybody do this thing? We have this thing that we got to get in the game. And so, yeah. So when you... Um... So were you uh, artistic as a kid? Were you into drawing or anything like that? Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, every, my mom's a painter and a sculptor. And so and she ever since I was little, um, one of the things she always did is just, we would always have like a biweekly or monthly trip to the museum and we would go see what was there. and We would talk about it. And um, and I, I was always ever since I was little, I was always drawing anyway. And so uh, that was always the undercurrent beneath all of this right um and then you know, honestly that was my appreciation for video games is especially when we got when you get into the like you know the 3d aspect well, it's sculpting it. isn't it it's yeah, yeah 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 and seeing the worlds that people built like i, I always loved the characters and everything else but the worlds were always super major to me it's like oh cool it's like a place i can live in you know like the feeling that those games give you like quake still gives you a vibe right like it's so yeah it's so good from the color palette the tone like all that and so so do you have siblings i do i have a brother and a sister okay are they and are they also like are they art focused as well or my sister my sister is my sister late in life actually started really getting into it she always was she just never really embraced it and then later in life that's something that she's been doing a lot of yeah it's all, all all traditional. It is quite interesting because I mean a, a lot of I mean obviously this makes a lot of sense because obviously the 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 art that that you're you're drawing or you're painting relates or or kind of comes alive then in the gaming industry. But what we found when a lot of people talked about they seem to have other uh, artistic endeavors like they play in bands or uh, yeah. music or they're sculptors or you know uh, like jewelry making like uh, Tara that we talked to she does her own jewelry. Do you have like any artistic kind of things that you do outside of the game world and design as well or or is it mainly in world? I I really enjoy photography. Is something that I I I haven't gotten back to. Like once we had our second child, it's like okay, everything's got to kind of slow down a little bit. Um, but definitely, it's something I'm starting to pick back up uh, and do again. Um, I love cooking. That's a thing. But that popped up during because of the pandemic, and I've just like really, really, really enjoyed that. So finding and making new things. Um, and then there was another one that I was just thinking of that, that I just based on that I that oh as I look at uh, I love prop building and that's something that oh. actually going way back, I think we talked about this I think when I was in New Zealand last the uh, I really like film whenever since I was a kid I thought film was gonna be the thing I was gonna get into it's like hey I'm gonna I want to make props because you know to watch all these making of and uh, you know see all the stuff that ILM was doing and I was like that is just incredible like I want to be able to find a way to do that and so. That was something that I started again, and then life happened, and I'm trying to pick it back up. Actually, I just ordered a, a new 3D printer, and so like I'm super excited, and so setting that workstation up. So that's um, that's that's another thing that I'm super interested in. So you you're at uh, Terminal Reality, you're uh, in this environment. How did you get to the next stage, and 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 what was the the draw? Was it you you looking for something uh, different, or and what was your relation to I guess Halo and Bungie even before starting there? Uh, well, we used to have Halo LAN parties at our studio at Terminal Reality. We were like, this game is amazing, and um, yeah. So I was super 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 um into that the game the the universe and uh. The studio and I remember you know I, I loved working at Terminal we had you know like I said I got a chance to 
work on so many different genres of games when I was there. Um, but sci-fi first-person shooter was like something that I was like, oh my god, I really because I hadn't the only thing I hadn't worked on was a, was a first-person shooter. I'd done like third-person, I'd done racing games, I did the simulate flying simulation, like all kinds of stuff. And um, and I had a friend of mine, uh, John Marzulli. He just like uh, sent my sent my uh, portfolio and resume, and he was working at Microsoft. He was at FASA. And he saw that they had some openings. And so he just sent it, didn't tell me, and just did it. And then I get this call from Bungie. And I was like, why are you calling me? Actually, I'm not kidding. It gave me anxiety. I was like, what, wait, what's happening? Like, or why would you call me? And so, like, um, yeah, they're like, hey, we want want you to do a test. We want we want to talk to you. I was like, all right. And and I had watched, by the way, Halo 2 had come out and I had watched the making of it. And that's when it really sealed the deal. I was like, oh my God, this studio, I really want to work there. Um and so, uh, yeah, so I, I submitted a test and then they flew me out and then, uh, yeah, it just happened. And it was like, okay, I guess we're moving there. And we had just got a, that was a, that was, this is another moment where my wife is like this amazing person that like puts up with craziness because we had just bought a home and I was like, Hey, so I'm going to try to go to Bungie. <laughs> and, and it was like, and it was a, it was an ordeal, but she was like, let's do it. Let's, you know, let's do it. And so, um, yeah, it's and and we did and we came out and I've been out here for 16 years now and so yeah it's wild and Halo 3 was like my first title with them. How did you feel coming and becoming part of that team? Were they you know was it immediately like you felt uh, part of the family and and was it easy? Was there a lot of stage fright? Like how did you feel coming into the studio that you'd already had all these kind of expectations of? I think it, it was wild. I think one of the things that uh, I remember day one, you know, the first thing they, or sorry, I, I started working on some props and doing like some vehicles and stuff and, and some cranes for Voy or the the map where, and I did the ship that everyone think the back of it looks like Master Chief's helmet totally by accident, not on purpose. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, uh, I was working on some props and then they're like, hey, now we need you to work on the the this ziggurat area in this new halo where Sergeant Johnson dies. And I didn't know all the story yet. And I was like, Wait, what? Wait, what? Uh, and so I, I was it was really cool, but it was also like the story was just immediately ruined for me. And I was like, no, <laughs> I didn't want to know that right now. And so then and, and no kidding, like as I worked on that whole area and, and, you know, and also I was I was taking I got the original Geo from Halo one because I was redoing it, making it more modernized. And so touching that Geo and Max and then, you know, just altering it was really cool. And yeah, so I just put on my headphones, listened to the Halo soundtrack and like the whole thing while I was building. I was like, okay, this is very important. I feel like this is a really important moment. And so, yeah, it was wild. It was it was really cool to uh, to jump in on something that I had been a fan of. And and like was when did the tradition uh, the transition into obviously becoming a, a full on Microsoft Studio happen? That must have was that around that time? Was that before or after? Oh, that that was that was before. And then when oh, we. Yeah. But it happened um, after after Halo Reach, the last DLC is when we left Microsoft. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. And that's when the the was there a shift? Did it, did it feel different at all becoming becoming your your own kind of independent studio, or, or was it kind of already that way anyway? No, I mean you know the, this. It's always been like a um, a really. Uh, that Bungie's kind of its own thing. I mean, even now, right? Like we 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 are um, self-contained in our own way, and so like I think you know, it nothing really changed other than some Microsoft things that we were logged into or whatever. But I mean, it just kind of maintained itself. I think that's the best thing, right? When 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 you get that continuity and there isn't a major upset, you know, either way, and you can kind of just keep doing what you're doing. So, I mean, you've you've been very a long, very long period of time, like in one studio. How do you think, you know? I guess a why do you think that is? Is it because it's a studio that's always kind of been successful? Because you know, a lot of the other guys we talk to, they talk about studios that kind of fold, or you know, they have a title that kind of. Uh, I guess bankrupts them or whatever, and then they kind of end up move, having to move on. Um, I mean, what's your view on that? You know, has it just been a natural thing for you to stay there for 16 years? How how has that felt on the inside? Yeah, I think for me, so me personally, 
I like to always grow and be challenged. Like I always like to kind of evolve, like, you know, learning from, you know, uh, learning new tools and learning new techniques, learning new ways to, to, uh, lead or communicate or to facilitate communication or all that kind of stuff. And bungees that way as well. Like, I think like ever since that was a thing that I kind of picked up pretty quick is that it's just this always evolving studio in, in a way. And, and the, and the people, everyone there, everyone that we've, we've hired is, you know, uh, there's, it's very inclusive as far as like how we collaborate, how we talk to each other. And so I think that like, and seeing that evolve over time, it's just, it's very comforting because a lot of studios aren't like, that. I mean, I know friends at all kinds of different studios. I, I know I, like I said, I've only had one previous experience at one other studio. Um, and so it feels very unique to me and it feels very, um, like it's always going to keep me on my toes. I'm always going to be, there's always something to learn or, or people to learn from. And so, yeah, I think between the the people that we hire, the studio structure and the, and, and the growth and opportunity, it's like, yeah, I don't really need to go anywhere. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, and it's just, and it's fun. Like we, we, I mean, heck I worked on, I worked on Destiny for like 12 years and there's always something in that game that we could, you know, imagine. There's always something that we could, you know, visually, artistically, you know, because of the sci fantasy, there's always something that we could, uh, you know, dig into, whether it be horror part of the fantasy or, you know, the, the high tech militarized part of the sci fi or whatever. So were you involved at the very genesis of Destiny? Not the very beginning. The very beginning, it was like there was, I think, only uh, about seven people that were working on it. But it was it was shortly after I was actually closing down Reach. So mm. I was I was doing the last few DLC uh, maps um, for Reach and then jumped on uh, and started working on Mars. That was the first thing that I was working on. And so there was Destiny was a huge title, right? Yeah, you know it's it's massive, and I remember the first time I played it, and it was um, felt to me like a mixture between Halo and World of Warcraft. Mm. You know, yeah, with yeah. the the kind of uh, the leveling mechanisms and things like that. And it was just it was very unique um, when it came out. You know, I, I absolutely loved it. Um, were were you always setting out to kind of take it in that in that direction and try and build on the on the genre? I mean, I think I mean. From the get-go, it was trying to make something new, right? Make something that you know had parts of things that everyone really enjoyed, and the you know the 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 team that stood it up, like what they, you know, all the designers, like what what were some of their passions and things that excited them. And so I think, yeah, it was always set to be something different, um, like it, you know, especially coming from Halo, where it's very linear path you know very story driven and so like breaking that out and and i think that's what was really compelling to me working on uh destiny for so long is you know it's not like it's it's a it's a different problem space and a lot of games are doing this now too right where you're you're not always on this linear path so you want to make sure the composition of that space is understood from multiple angles or like it you're, there's always a not only legibility but it, there's like every every angle is kind of this beautiful corner you know and it, it was a different it was a different problem space coming from like well i know master chief's gonna your players are roughly gonna do this right unless we have a little ninja route that goes around or something like that but yeah so that that that's always been it was really fun to kind of open up environment you know art mm. in that way yeah well was it particularly challenging making that transition to open world from from your kind of level design past of working with quake level editors and things like that because i imagine creating an open world you've got to think about so much more and it's so much more complicated i think at the beginning it was after after a while you know the tools and systems that we have help facilitate you know us putting it all together in a way that's not you know um as frustrating i mean and that's that's the thing over time. I, I mean, I go all the way back, like I said, you know, going back to terminal reality and how we used to build uh, stuff there. I mean, it was all max. Like we were literally everything had to be manifold, which means every vert had to be welded and cut properly. And then you had these different slice mechanisms to 
have the have the lighting actually identify the region. And now it's like there's so many automated systems behind the scenes and you can move uh, patterns in and out. You can Z buffer things against each other and it's not going to break the game and throw up all these errors and stuff like that. And so like, yeah, like as, as time has gone, you know, the tools really helped us on that journey, but also that journey helped the tool. I mean, it was, it was in the beginning, you know, of every game, that's just the way it's like that kind of ebb and flow of finding it um, with our systems and finding what, what is, uh, you know, where's, where's the limit of our capabilities, right. And and Mm -hmm. pushing all of those all the time. Is there a sense when you're building a game or rather at what point do you feel, I think we've got a hit on our hands versus, oh, this might not turn out the way we hoped. Is there a, have you been in, I guess you've definitely been in, I, I assume so, in the in the, in the the prior version of that, which is the, I think this is actually going to really work. But have you had both sides of that? And how is that feeling if you, if you know that you're working on something that's not going to work versus the feeling when you know that this is already kind of a success? I have had, I think. So I have definitely worked on titles that did not ship. Like I, we got them stood up to a certain degree. And the, the, the thing is, though, I don't know if I'm just like super optimist guy or something, but I'm always like, we can do it. We can. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like always pushing the boulder uphill. Like, I swear to God, it's going to happen. And then when it doesn't happen, it's like, oh, you know, I think that. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I have there, there's you can see it, you know, you can, you can start to see like where things aren't really coming together or like the conversations are falling apart or, you know, um, or that, you know, there's even been times like early in my career, like just having conflict, internal conflict, you know, like you know, people just not not agreeing on what the game should be. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that like, yeah, I, I've it's it's hard going through those times when it when it fails, it's great when it goes when it really succeeds um and i think that's the thing you know like working on working on some of these titles like destiny uh and i you know and working on like ghostbusters the back was the last thing i worked on at terminal and just seeing these things from the ground up and you're like dude this is already really cool like when when you get it in your hand and it feels good like you know that it's already it's already there, you know, it's just a matter of like, Hey, how do we, how do we pretty this thing up? And so, yeah. Was that the Ghostbusters that came out for PlayStation? The one where they, with, with the original, yeah. that was yeah. great. I did. Has that been remade? I actually went and Googled it the other day. Cause I've been, I think they did. I've been yeah, kind of wanting to play it again. Cause it was, it was so good. Like the story and the environments and everything just felt like it was, it could have been a movie, you know, it could have been the next Ghostbusters movie somehow. I, yeah. I, I really had a great uh, sense to it, but um, yeah, maybe they did do it. Maybe they did do a, maybe they did do a re-release of it, but it's one of those titles I wouldn't mind seeing I now. Like, say, I don't check my, yeah, I need to check my Facebook group, but there was like a bunch of the guys who were, I think I'm pretty sure that's, that was it. And I think blood rain is doing, they're doing something with blood rain again. Um, but yeah, I did, so. yes. That I do, yeah. that, I, that, that I seem to remember. So, so was it weird? Because you obviously, you know, we worked on 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 Halo Three and Reach, and was it is it was it weird to you when another studio kind of takes your like? How would you feel if Destiny got out and it just get plonked into another developer? Like, was that a big? Is it a weird feeling, or was it just a natural progression? You know, I mean, it was. I mean, it was kind of weird, but it was also like I knew a bunch of the people that were working on it, and some of them were ex you know Bungie devs, and so it was kind of like. Eh in good hands you know and so i think that there was like yeah i mean it, it was different it, it was i um it doesn't happen I, too often right then it's not too often that an entire property just gets yeah close. yeah and, and i think it was one of those things where it's like there was just a lot of high hopes i was just like hey you know like let's see what they what what can someone else take another if someone else took, takes another spin on this what, what could come out of it right like yeah so i think there was a lot of kind of like I don't know, from from my perspective, a lot of excitement, and so yeah, I mm. I couldn't wait to uh to see what they delivered, and so yeah. And so, what was the pressure? You've de- you've delivered Destiny One, right? Mm-hmm. Now you're gonna have to make Destiny Two. <laughs> how does how how does that feel? How does that come <clears throat> together? And what kind of how does it raise the stakes when you've been successful? Uh, I mean, it's always you know, I mean that you know, there's so many different variables to like continuing on that. I mean, it's the same way with Halo, right? Going from Halo 1 to Halo 2 to Halo 3. It's like Halo, Halo 2, we're going to hold two two weapons and then you go to Halo 3 and then into Reach. It's like, oh my gosh, we're going to go take the Wayback Machine and Chief's not part of this. And, and ODST, ODST is another one of those things where it's like, that was another 
big scary thing because it was like oh my gosh like we're going to be jumping into this this world that's not the typical thing that people are used to that, that's actually a really good example of something that early on was like oh this feels good like that, that it felt really different it felt cool um and to be and just have that odst fantasy was really neat and so um yeah that that's definitely an example of that time and then i never forget the commercial that came out the we are odst and they they showed that to the studio we're just like oh my god like, it's like it was so good but yeah um yeah that was uh yeah i think it's always daunting to follow up something you know and it's like okay you know keep this running and 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 and, ex- and try to grow and expand and keep learning and keep you know um moving the ip forward yeah Successful. is there is there like uh do you feel because obviously like you talked about the technology and and you know how it's obviously evolved is there is there a chance that it will get so evolved that you start feeling that you get lazy with your own creativity or that it isn't pushed as much or uh, do you feel like the opposite does it actually make it even more so no there's always i mean if you look at games in general and like it, there's always more right we all it's like how much more can we generate how much more can we make and with you know uh, higher fidelity. I mean, this is something. This is across this. You know, I think the gaming spectrum in general. It's like the more you're making, the higher fidelity it is. Like all those kinds of things, right? It's like it's there's there's a lot of work there. There's a lot a lot of work there. Um, so it's never, yeah. I have never felt lazy. <laughs> it is always except for that one time with it, like in the early days when the engine was broke and I'm like I'm just going to model things. I felt super lazy then and it ended up landing me this job so it's all good. But yeah, the uh <laughs> yeah. But no, I uh yeah, there's there yeah it's easy for us. Like we look at us things like Unreal Five, and we just go. It just feels like you can just press buttons, and then it will just do everything for you. I think. I mean, that's I kind of how they sell it. But yeah, I think to a degree. But I mean, it's the same thing with like Mid Journey. It only gets you so far, right? There's only so far that you can take that, and then it starts to become either uh, not as um, uh, direct as it should be. Like I think that you know anybody can s- simulate. Like here's natural terrain here's here's trees in a forest but like when you're trying to build an experience and a narrative into, into the world and you're trying to tell that story through the environment through the characters i think auto-generated content only gets you so far you have yeah. to you have to and the thing is like the danger of and don't be wrong i love i love all that <laughs> i think it's amazing uh but the thing is in my mind the danger of relying too heavily on it is then you start atrophying the 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 mental skills to be able to build proper composition and and tell those stories, right? I think that that's super, super, super important. And and so when you're talking about mid-journey, I just want to clarify, is that the AI tool uh, I, I, that where you can kind of write a sentence and it kind of creates illustrations yeah. and drawings from? Yeah, yeah. that's the, the that's the one, uh, Richie, where I created that ama- those amazing pictures of us as bananas in Fortnite. So I've put it to yeah, good yeah. use, mate. I've, I, <laughs> yeah. mainly, I mainly create images of us in our banana costumes in Fortnite and then send yeah. that to our little Fortnite group. That's kind of my contribution to mid-journey. I'm assuming you're using it for more uh, constructive and more impressive things yeah i'm just as a personal as personal use like it's it's something that when it popped up on the scene i was like oh i have to get my hands on this and see you know test its limits and see what it can do and so uh i mean it's incredibly powerful um i think it's something that you know i could see the future of folks using like if they want to do really early previs or or stylistic Mm. approaches you can like test a bunch of stuff out pretty pretty rapidly Mm. um yeah, I've definitely had, I was making a joke earlier, uh, and I've said this to everyone, like it, I, I had it like in the past week or so, I actually got in on it early, didn't get a chance to really dive into it. And so this past week, my wife's out of town, kids are out of town. So I got to really <laughs> dig in. So instead of gaming, I just started messing with mid journey to see like what kind of things I could come up with. And it's been, uh, it's been horribly addictive. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, before we close off, I'm really keen to hear two things. I know uh, Richard will have a final question for you. My my final question for you was, uh, what are the best and worst parts of, of the industry as a whole? Like, what or for you, from your personal experience, what are the best and worst bits? Um, I think that you know the the 
what I love the most and what I've appreciated the most about the industry is the camaraderie of it and the the sharing of information, the um, the growth, like that, you know, that like studios are, you know, like Bungie and other studios out there, like they're, they're putting forth the effort to help continuously grow their people and to expand their skill set. Um, I think that that's something that I've always really appreciated. Like, I mean, all like, you know, some of the guys that I know they've worked at, you know, at infinity ward and all over the place. And so I think that like, um, yeah, having, having those, having those connections and, and being able to share, uh, you know, our learnings has been, has been really, really good. I just, I don't know of other, maybe there is, I'm maybe I'm spacing, but like, it's just a really interesting injury, injury <laughs> industry in that way. Hmm. Um, not an injury, I swear. Um, I think it's a really interesting industry that we collaborate, you know, in a way it's like the film industry. So the film industry, it's like you're on, you're off, right. And you're, and you're, and hmm. you're floating in the ether until you get picked back up again. Whereas, you know, our industry retains people for a longer period of time. So therefore you get even more knowledge base, I think, in doing so. And then the worst aspect of it, I think for me, it was the earliest days of the industry, you know, like, like when I worked in my last company, great company, great people, it was fun. Um, but it was early, early days and there was a lot of crunch, like a lot of crunch. And I mean, I slept in my office for over a month, you know, mm-hmm. like just, and, and a lot of it was, some of it was self-induced because we, again, I hopelessly optimistic, like I believe is like, we're going to make this thing happen. It's going to be the next AAA game. You know, we're going to just put blood, sweat and tears into this thing. And so, um, I think that's the, the painful side of the industry that I hope we're all growing past. I feel like we are. I feel like it's, you know, it's out there enough and there's enough of people like myself that live through that period that wants to do right by it and not do that again. Um, so I think that that was probably the most painful part of the industry. If you're, if you're talking to a, a bunch of young people or old people who want to change their career, what, what, advice would you give them uh, if they wanted to be an art director oh to be an art director yeah that was a long path because i think i would say that the biggest the the thing that has helped me is having an understanding like i said in the early days doing vfx doing ui doing environment art doing prop building like having a really well and you know and and knowing the the test department no and starting and and i had an early understanding of how all these things integrate together but i also understood what the downstream effect was for all these different Mm. dependent teams right um i think so having a good foundation you know when you dive into it i think it's you really need a good understanding a broad understanding of uh what you're what what you want to build or do and then i think you need to put it to practice um like I said, I was an environment artist for, you know, I don't know. I've been I've been an art director maybe four years, I think, something like that. Uh, and then I was an environment artist, and then ended up going into to leadership, environment art leadership. But um, yeah, there was it's it was a lot of a lot of time spent educating myself, doing you know, putting it to use, uh, learning how to communicate. Um, yeah, there was a a lot to that probably a terrible yeah. answer i'm like i don't know about an art director i could no, it's a good it's, it's a like, good answer it, you know it's, it's not really, like good yeah it's, it's not like um it's a job you could just walk into right no. you know it's it's yeah. you're building on pyramids of of expertise all the way up because no one would have you no no one would employ me or pete to be an art director <laughs> right <laughs> That's a really. I mean, bad if you employed me to be an art director, you'd be joking. I mean, you're kidding yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, true story. Like I, the so I, I, I didn't. I tripped in art direction. Like I, it wasn't my goal. My goal was just to keep bettering myself and I and just bettering techniques. And so when I got into it was during the Dreaming City time frame when I got into art leadership, and I was kind of starting to give some direction. Um, and then when we had a partner studio, I stepped in because I felt like there needed to be some direction there. But I was it was just a temporary thing. I was like, hey, I'm just going to help. I want to help out. This is early on. Like, uh, I think it was like Warmind time frame. And uh, I was like, I- I'm just going to help out here. And then it just started happening. And I'll never forget talking to Mike Zach 
and saying, hey, uh, I think I'm art directing right now, and I don't know if you're comfortable <laughs> with that. <laughs> and I kept, you know, gut checking things with him, and he's like, he's like, try it on for a little while. Let's see what happens. And I didn't know there was a conversation happening, you know, about the potentiality of that because we didn't have another art director at the time. That just wasn't a thing. Mm. And, uh, and the game was growing, and we needed to have more eyesight on, you know, all the content. Anyway. And then I ended up getting into it and I was like, I'll just do this for a little while. And I want to get back to what I was doing, you know, because I don't know. I just I was so scared. I was was scary. It was scary as hell. And I mean, there's a lot of responsibility in that position. Um, Anyway, ended up doing it. And then I just kept on doing it. So, but yeah, and I love it. Actually, it's 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 been super rewarding. Yeah, I imagine it's an incredibly fulfilling job, especially if you've got a real passion for storytelling and gaming i mean it's it's probably not many better jobs out there are there yeah and i and and the people that i work with are are just exceptional right i mean it's just like it's 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 awesome getting to work with the folks that i get to work with and sit down and just talk about all the cool shit we can build um it's it's yeah that's there's another reason why i don't leave (laughs) yeah yeah definitely definitely so what so what um from your point of view where do you think the industry is going what what's what's the big thing in the future you're excited about in, yeah, in general terms, not specifics, obviously. I mean, I'm excited about, uh, man, I, cause I play all different types of genres. So like, um, I, I'm excited to see how big, you know, games can be like star citizen is one of those things. It's like always on the mm-hmm. peripheral for me. Right. It's like, man, how big can we get? Like what, you know, how detail, I mean, how much can we do before we melt your computer, right? Um, mm. and, or, or try not to melt your computer. But it's like one of those things, like how how expansive can this get? Because um, I, I, I love free roaming game. Like I've always, like Sky, anything Bethesda does, you know, I, I, I just sink my life into it. And so games like that are always super exciting to me. Um, I think that, you know, uh, I think I, I'm, I'm seeing the industry go to more free-to-play games. That's a thing, you know, that I think is becoming something of a norm. And so, like, I'm, I'm curious to see, like, how expansive games evolve in that world. Like, how I, I, like will the next uh, Skyrim be evolving? Is it going to keep expanding and growing? Is it just going to be that title forever? And it's like, you know, it, it keeps becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. And so uh, you want to continuously engage with it um yeah i don't i don't know I, i'm curious to see like where where that goes because i feel like things are going to just going to keep getting bigger and more and have more uh investment um in them like more reasons to play more reasons to keep staying in that world like if i had if i hadn't beat skyrim like 45 times or however long it's been on every single console and device that i own you know it's like i wish i i want to i want to see what the next evolution of that is in that game i just like keep persisting that character forward in some way and so and what do you what do you feel about things like obviously you're in you guys are part of the playstation um, family now but i know <laughs> that obviously it, it's like when we talk to anyone here they they obviously have views and, and opinions about everything but have you had an opportunity to try this uh, streaming uh, stuff that uh, microsoft do on game pass and how do you see that kind of instant on uh, is that is that going to be? Do you reckon that's going to be the thing of the future, where you kind of don't really need a console, or is that just something they're doing and it's a bit of a trial? Man, I don't even know if my opinion matters there, but I will say that I use it. <laughs> uh, I I mean I do. I like especially like when my kids or someone's dominating the TV. I'm like, yep, just go over here and get on the you know stream Xbox or whatever. Um, same thing, you know, Sony has the same thing, and so like I've and I did, I did it with Stadia, like it. it the times that I've used it is when I'm traveling or I'm at my mom's house who has good internet, but she doesn't have a single console. I'm like, I want to play a game. And so I can jump on a game. And so, uh, or do it on my phone. Um, except my phone just, Oh, I don't know if this is for everybody, but my phone just turns into like molten. It's like this, like holding the sun yeah. Yeah. trying to do it. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, no, I definitely, uh, yeah, I, 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 I utilize that the way, I utilize my switch in a lot of ways. Right. And so it's like when I'm on the go, if I need to, if I have some downtime, I can jump on. Yeah. I mean, we haven't really talked about Nintendo, but are, are you excited for breath of the world too? Did you play oh. breath, the first breath of the world? Breath of the wild. I, sorry. Yes. You can't even see breath of the wild, man. I know. I you're know, supposed I to be, the, you're sitting in a Zelda sweater and you're saying breath of the world. It's embarrassing, Rich. I know it is. It is. It's all right. I'll edit it out. Are you, are you excited for Breath of the Wild too? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I played I played the other one. Um, that's been a really cool moment too with my kids. Like, you know, getting I remember so I I wanted to eventually get to Breath of the Wild, not the world, the wild. I'm giving you shit. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that I, I wanted I, I was wanting him to play that. It was really early on and he couldn't really I, he was not there yet with like the switch, but um I had him play the original Zelda. Mm. And I'll never forget. Sorry, this is a quick story. Uh, he's like, I never, he walks up and I was like, go in that cave. He's like, what cave? I was like, a cave right there. And he's like, that black square? And I'm like, yeah, that's a cave. And he's like, these are bad graphics. And I was like, no, they're not. No, they're not. <laughs> so we had that conversation. But eventually now he's, old, he's yeah, he's played, he plays it as well. So watching him play Zelda games is really cool. Watching him just play, watching both my boys like embrace, uh, games the way they have been you know has been really wild but now they put them on a retro console have you ever have you ever tried to get yeah. them and see what they're so what's their view on like a retro they just console? like they like man retro consoles and old cartoons are like these are this bad graphics like it's just like don't watch like old an old scooby-doo thing and they're like oh that's really bad graphics i'm like these aren't graphics man <laughs> like, unless it's like them. yeah but i mean but they but they love my they play minecraft and right now they're like you know playing the heck out of roblox and all that and so yeah yeah mine too they mine my two love the retro zelda games as well and the retro mario games i'm jealous yeah. Uh, yeah, it's pretty you, cool you raised them you raised them right even, did, though, yeah. even though you say world yeah. <laughs> even though you yeah. called it breath of the world which is yeah. we're, we're just going to pick it in here again you can, so you you can keep saying it it'll all get edited out <laughs> <laughs> you just, that's what you should do is just beep it all and no one knows what you're saying it's like, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. how do you yeah. feel about beep yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, i uh, use the piano music hey yeah. jason uh, thank you so much for talking to us it's it's always fascinating for us to hear an insight i think uh, like deep down rich and i both wish that we at some stage would have have uh, had our stars align and and somehow got into the gaming industry from the other aspect uh which would be apart from consuming it actually participating <laughs> in it um but uh you know it's it's incredibly uh, cool to hear about and you know it's it's weird for us to speak to people who, who create and 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 are responsible for some of the uh you know, as a group we understand not individually uh yeah. some of the, the the best games that we love to play as well so uh, thank you so much for for talking to us mate yeah no worries it was a ton of fun it was nice seeing you again too man yeah same. it's been a hot minute <laughs> yeah it has <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, we're closing off the podcast for this week. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, Jason Sussman, thank you for listening to us. Richie, always a pleasure to hear you talk about Breath of the World. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> See you, everyone. Take care, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on your podcast platform. 